Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. What's up, guys? This is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. I have a really interesting person that I actually connected with on LinkedIn, and I wanted to invite her on the show and kind of get into a couple of specific things that we we explore a lot um, here at Dub, which is just empowerment and coaching and, and how to really succeed and have better strategies to share our story. So um, please, I'd love to start with kind of your origin story and, and what got you to where you are today. Okay. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me. Um bit about me is I've spent, oh gosh, I'm about to date myself and show my true age, but I've been in the car business for almost 17 years now. Wow. I've recently transitioned into power sports and I've started a nonprofit to help women. So throughout my career, I've seen the struggles that single moms and divorced women and everything that we've gone through. And I'm like, you know what? I have one belief, be that friend and that resource that you need to others. So I've kind of taken that role and I've started a foundation that goes and helps and does that and helps them find their, their professional footing and change their life. So, and how do you, how do you do that? How does your, how does your, your firm do that? What, what is the actual um, product or service? So our name is changing your conversation. And what we do is we help empower when we help build their confidence and what they're bringing to the workforce. And we give them coaching development as far as their their professional attire, um, resumes, interview workshops, things of that nature, everything that um, a young woman without a lot of professional development would need to make an impact in the workforce. Um, a lot sense. of a lot of the women who are coming to us are looking to get off of state aid or getting out of a divorce. They've never had to work for them and work and make their own money to support themselves. So they don't know what to do and haven't had a real opportunity to build a career. So we're helping coach them. Coach them. And what, what do you think the kind of the larger problem that you're looking to solve is? Um, we're looking at trying to solve... Um, Poverty, ideally. I mean, when you are able to support yourself and support your family, your children grow up with a whole different sense of self-esteem and belief that they can do things because they watched their mom or their parents do something great rather than just take what was given to them and deal with the status quo. So we believe that we can change the poverty cycle among single women, single mothers, and then raise better families. Mm. That's important. I mean, it's an important it's an important to- topic overall. I I was just watching a clip with Mark Cuban actually yesterday, and Mark Cuban was saying how his family, him and his wife, the way that they're raising their kids, and of course, Mark Cuban is a billionaire, right? Yes, <laughs> with a B, <laughs> with a B. So, you know, he talks about how his kids, the way that he's raising them, they, they have, they have to do chores, you know, Mm -hmm. they, they do jobs, they have to get gigs and then they earn based on that. They, nothing is given Mm -hmm. to them. You know, maybe they have a credit card, maybe they don't. That's not the point. The point is that the way he's raising them is, is without a sense of entitlement. Mm -hmm. And for a billionaire to make that choice, there's, there's, it's showing something and it's a, it's a large, societal message that that he he really is putting out to the world but he's also you know making a choice for his family and for the development of his kids specifically so i always thought i think that was really neat to to hear that um absolutely yeah so but i always think you know how can we empower people to to help themselves you know so what are the things that you've kind of picked up along the way in terms of allowing people to to be uh better better people so that they can ultimately help themselves. Sometimes what I'm finding is, and actually this is the majority of what I'm finding, they just need someone to help believe in them. Yeah, They want to know that they're not alone in this and that they can actually do this. And I very much believe in the power of speaking life into somebody else. When you have a woman who, one of the, our clients, she's done nothing but had a part-time job for five years. 
And she's like, but I want more. I want to do more, but I just don't feel like anybody's going to give me the chance. So we're with her through this entire step of the way. And she just wants to know she's not alone. And we call the women that we serve at risk. And the reason that it's labeled that, and some of my board members don't like the term because it makes them feel um, like we're discounting the women. But the reason we say that they're at risk is because they're going through this journey right now and this struggle. And if they fall, they're at risk of just staying down. So we say that they're at risk and we're, because we're going to walk with them and help them through this and keep them from falling and sticking down and not having somebody to walk with. So I recently saw a little meme graphic floating around the internet and uh, it sounds like a Whitney Houston song, but it says, if you want to find true love, look in the mirror. Absolutely. <laughs> and, Absolutely. And, yeah. And I, and I really love that. And I think that it's really important. It's also important to have, you know, people that, that do believe in us to your, to your mm -hmm. point. I think that's really important. Um, but my question for you though, is that at what point do do we kind of transcend that idea of needing someone else to believe in us so that we can believe in ourselves and not have that dependency because people come and go in our lives. You know, someone once told me that we know, we know people in our lives for a reason, a season or a lifetime, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I get concerned a little bit with having that need to have that third party belief in us when at the end of the day, maybe it's just, we, it's us that have to believe in ourselves. What's your take on that? Oh, I very much agree. If you don't believe that you can do something, if you truly believe that you're worthless, you'll never achieve anything great. And that's where our job comes to play. And it's a very hard line for us between, um, and that's the difference between a coach and the counselor, so to speak. So a coach is yeah. going to speak life into you and it's gonna build you up and it's gonna show, help you realize for yourself the best possible version of yourself. Whereas the counselor is going to try and fix you. We're not here to fix people. We're not here to tell them, hey, this is how you do things. This is, we're simply there to show you and ask you all those right questions and guide you in a way that's going to make you realize how great of a potential you have within yourself. And that's the great part is that as a coach, we get to know when it's time to move on and to say, hey, honey, you've got this. You can do this now. Talk to me, tell me everything you're feeling and everything you're thinking and help guide their thought process to where they know internally what their capacity truly is. So you, you, you have a stage. I mean, you have, you speak at events and you evangelize this topic, which is really impressive. One of the things that I always think about is that when you, I don't want, I'm not comparing you to a trainer per se, but I do want to make an analogy here. And that analogy is that anytime I've personally gone to a trainer, once the training sessions are done, I don't sustain that. I go off and do mm -hmm. the stuff that I would do. If I get into a, a situation where I'm empowered to, to have a mindset to go and to, to be physical and to be active and to, and to be healthy, and it comes from within, not having someone else tell me what to do, I, I do I do much better. So I know you're very experienced and you're very skilled at this, and I know you've thought of this and this is exactly what you do but i'm i'm very curious to get your take on that well there's that thing give a man a fish he's going to eat for a day teach him to fish and he'll eat for the rest of his life yes. our goal is that it is to teach them what they can do it is to teach them to take control of their life it is to teach them how to manage their money because even once they've gotten a new job we're not ending then we still coach them for another 120 days is to teach them to take control develop full accountability for where they are and what they want to be and to plan out every step to their goal right that so makes that way sense. they can do it without us right that makes sense. And then, so what are what are some of the objections that you've seen? Mm, they don't have the experience. Yeah. Um, I can't take the time away from my kids. Um, I'm too old. We've had clients that are like, I'm, I'm, I haven't worked in 10 years. I'm too old. Nobody's going to hire me. That's not the case. Right. So it's, it's simply just a, one of the big, my my specialty is life coaching. So one of the biggest things that I work through is those limiting beliefs and how you see yourself 
And I'm just trying to make sure everyone knows that she can do great things. Mm. The people that I speak to that want to help others and want to provide frameworks for improving, I'll, most of the time, I don't want to say all the time, most of the time, they've gone through struggle themselves. Yeah. They've gone through mm -hmm. trials, tribulations. They've gone through, uh, you know, sometimes peppered pasts, you know, and from that struggle and from that pain came ambition, insight, desire, compassion, a need to kind of help people, you know, mm -hmm. Rumi, the great Sufi poet once said, um, you know, the light enters from the scars, you know, yes. where, where did your light enter? What was that moment for you? That moment for me was back in 2012. Um, I was getting divorced and uh, with a thousand dollars to my name and only knowing my boss here in Washington, I left all of my friends, all of my family, everything I'd ever known in California and took a risk and moved up to Washington with my oldest daughter who was 17 and a senior in high school at the time. And there was no plan B. I had no choice but to make it work. It was the first time in my entire adult life I had ever been on my own. And I was fully responsible for raising this young woman and making sure that her and I were able to eat. So it came from that. It came from that drive and that hard work that I had put in and build my reputation and build the security in my future. And then CYC in itself, Changing Conversation, came just a few months ago when I was with a company that I'd been with for two years that took a chance on me and taught me how to be a trainer. And then an account manager and a coach in that aspect, 300 plus people nationwide got laid off in one day, myself included. Hmm. And while I was fortunate enough to where I had a support network that helped keep me grounded and not fall into that depression and help me find a new position, Mm. Oh, I, right. there you are. Um, I saw women across the country who didn't. One of my girlfriends, she was out of insulin and they cut off her insurance the next day. So I sent her money to go and get her insulin. And she's like, I can't repay you. I was like, I didn't say it was a loan. This right. is a gift for me to help you. So I've been through the struggle. I've been broke. I was a teen mom, high school dropout. So I have built all of this to where my girls have seen me pick myself up and continue to work and put in the hours to build the career that I and reputation that I have now. I can't keep this to myself. I have to show other women it can be done. I have to empower them to to know that there is hope out there that this struggle of financial aid and food stamps and welfare, whatever it is called now, there is an end to it. It does not have to be a way of life that you pass on to your children. It, it this, the cycle stops and, and mm -hmm. you, you're really empowering people to stop that cycle. Isn't that one of the biggest problems in definitely in America when it comes to poverty and, and being below that line and not having uh, sustainable means to, to live a fruitful life is that it becomes generational because there's a lack of money, be, you know, that results in a lack of education, that results in lack of opportunities. You know, that's, that's interesting. You're breaking a cycle. Now, of course, you know, I have to say that there are some people that, that the one, the 0.01% that take that struggle and take that quote unquote, being poor as their ambition. And that's what makes them you know, so successful. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, you know, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg's dad, just to go back to that example, you know, he was an upholstery guy and, you know, he was a very lower middle-class guy, worked his whole life doing upholstery. And I think he lost his eye. Uh, oh, so yeah, anyways, but the point though, is that you are allowing people to break that cycle and that, mm -hmm. that is relevant for the majority of the population. Um, that that aren't living their best self or that are not living in that in that situation. So when when you empower someone through your coaching to kind of break through that, there are some specific requirements. I have bills to pay. I've got twenty five thousand dollars in credit card debt. You know, I've got kids that are hungry. I've got to pay for soccer. I've got to do all these things. Right. Mm -hmm. How can they recover? get themselves to the a level playing ground, get themselves to a point where their basic survival needs, those Maslowian needs are put aside and addressed. And then to the point where they can start to 
thrive? You know, how can they go from survive to thrive? Sometimes people need to readdress what those basic needs are. Do you really need that four week, four times a week Starbucks habit? Okay. Do you really need to go out and get your kid the newest iPhone because it's out? Sometimes in order to build up, we have to reset everything, take full stock of what's truly important and then start from scratch. Hmm. And what would you say? And what would you say the biggest, um, the, the biggest kind of the three steps that someone can take? If if someone came to you and they said, "Look, I, I need to reframe my life. I'm not thriving. I'm I'm barely surviving." What would be the three most actionable pieces of feedback that you could provide to them? Take full inventory of the people in your life, because you're never going to thrive if the people around you are constantly speaking poorly into your life. Take inventory of what brings you joy. Is it your kids? Do you get joy waking up and having 20 minutes of Devo time in the morning? Mm. I know without my God time in the morning, I'm a mess. <laughs> what brings you joy and focus on that? Does having a small piece of chocolate truly make you happy or do you feel guilt ridden afterwards? Because if you're feeling <laughs> guilty, How about then don't both? do it. How about right? both? No. Okay. And, and you know, that's a fair point. That's an absolute <laughs> fair point. I have a love-hate relationship with food. Um, but if there's... The, the, the any... answer is dark chocolate, by the way. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yes. Oh, so good. Um, it's, it's, really, it's really good for short-term memory. <laughs> and a glass of wine. Um, oh, by the way, dark, dark chocolate's really good for short-term memory. I don't remember that. Can we tell my students about it and say, hey, we need it in here? And I do. And that was cute. <laughs> um, and then the third one would just be, are you doing what honors you? Because Ooh. at the end of the day, if you're going to sleep and you're guilt-ridden over anything, your actions didn't honor you. Do your action, do are you being honored with the job you have? Are you being honored with the the place you're spending your free time did are you being honored in watching that tv show when you know realistically you could probably use that and read a book and expand your mind and i'm not saying any certain thing is bad but what's resonating as something that is honoring you and your growth and the position you want in your life so the people the things you do and what honors you those are the three things to evaluate so when you say take inventory of the people around you, what do you mean by that? And and there's this one thought that's going through my mind right now. And I sat in on a talk a long time ago from this really shrewd uh, and, and successful PR agent. And I'm trying to remember his name. He, he wrote a couple of books, but he opened up and it was a creative audience, very creative um, audience, like sort of film filmmaking kind of audience. And he, he opened up with this statement. He says, if you want to be successful, fire your flaky friends. Mm -hmm. And everyone in the audience said, wait, what? Because we all have a flaky friend. I mean, we all have a friend that's just sitting on a sofa in his mom's basement right now that's just chilling. And why do we got to fire that guy? You know, we went to grammar school with him. Like, we've known him forever. We play soccer with him. We, He's in my band. You know, we get together once a month. Why do I have to fire him in order to succeed for myself i mean can i just compartmentalize what i'm doing and that's my question no, for you what does it no mean? not you can't really there is no compartmentalization over someone who if you think about it that friend who's just not motivated who keeps talking about they want to make a difference in their mm -hmm. life but you never see any action every time you go to spend time with them you're taking a step down or a step away from your full self because they're not going to be able to come where you're going. They're not going to be able to stand in that light that you're shining in. They're going to be intimidated. They're going to be like, no, come back here to my comfort zone because they are never leaving their own comfort zone. So they're going to constantly be pulling you down and pulling you back. Um, a great example of this is I have a girlfriend who wanted very much to be part of the organization when I started it. 
Um, she was one of the first people I called and cause she's told me time and time again, she wants to change where she's at. She wants to make a move. She wants to do something different and do something better and make an impact and help people. She flaked off on the first three meetings we had. And I finally had to say, Hey honey, I love you. And whenever you're ready, come see me and I'll find a place for you. She, I'm sorry. She what after the three meetings? I missed that. She flaked off on our first she three meetings. Flaked off. Got it. Got it. I mean, no accountability that she wasn't even going to be there. Mm. Um, I just had to say, I love you, but I can love you from afar. I don't need to bring you with me because you're not ready. When you are, you'll come to me. Hmm. Well, flaking, you. flaking, kind of in general, is an interesting thing because I flaked. One one might say I flaked on the gym today. I flaked <laughs> on eating healthy today. I flaked mm -hmm. on going to my kids' recital today. What is it that you're tr truly doing? You're making a choice, a, a exactly. priority choice, right? Mm -hmm. And I always I think about this a lot because I don't like it when so you know our our business dub is we empower people to to use video to communicate and to sell and to share stories and we have spent a ton of time and a ton of effort blood sweat and tears into building a technological ecosystem that really empowers people to do that exact thing so we always say the the prospects that come to us the ones that are internally motivated are the ones that we will see succeed the ones that are not kind of on the fence and they're not, they're, they're flaky. They're flaky. Those are the ones that, that they, they, they kind of, they bounce out, they, they flake off, they churn, you know, and then they don't get success as a result of it. So I always like to, one of my mantras, and I, and it sounds like you and I share this, but one of my mantras is to, is to be okay if someone is not ready to make that a priority. Mm -hmm. And say, I love you, but you're not ready. <laughs> mm -hmm. And when Absolutely. you are, and, you know, you, you, you see that sign, you know, what, what's that meme that's, that I've been seeing floating around for years. It's like, this is the sign that you're looking for. <laughs> and it's an actual sign. <laughs> yeah. You know? And whatever that may be, whether it's to overcome challenges and to solve, you know, childhood trauma or to realize that they need to start using video to sell, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter. Um, that preframe, that desire, that ambition, that goal is—it's—it's it's such an important um, catalyst to make any choice. To make any type of change, you have to be able to be completely honest with yourself that you are ready to do it and mm. what it's going to require to do it. Because the easiest person to lie to is ourselves. Ah. Like, oh yeah, tomorrow I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna start this tomorrow. I'm gonna get up tomorrow morning and I'm gonna do 20 push-ups and 10 setups or whatever. And you know damn well you're lying to yourself. But it's easy to do. You have to stop lying to yourself and be able to have a real conversation. We a change your conversation came from the premise of you change your conversation with yourself, you're gonna change your conversation with others, and you're now changing your future. But it has to start with how you speak to yourself, what you say about yourself, and what you say about what you're going to do. Because if you can't keep a commitment you've made to yourself, how are you going to keep it to somebody else? Yeah, it's true. Solve <laughs> accountability. Mm -hmm. How do we how do we solve that? You just have to be honest. It's really a matter of, you know what, start by honoring yourself. Don't make a commitment you're not willing to keep. Let your yes always be your yes. And let your no be your no. Respect both. But and what you do you mean by that? Yeah, what do you mean by that? Let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. What, what does that mean by that? It means stick to it. It means if you're going to tell yourself, yes, I'm going to do something, make sure you do it. One way, come hell or high water, you go and do this. I'm going to the gym, legit, I'm going to the gym today with my daughter at 5.30 because I've made a commitment to my fiance that we're going to the gym three days a week. He's doing it, I'm doing it. And normally I'll get up and go in the morning, but it's a school day, so my daughter asked if we could go in the afternoon. So come hell or high water at 5.30, we are out the door to the gym, okay? And if I had said no, then we're not doing it today. But I told him I would do this. I made this commitment to him because we want to both be healthier. We both want a healthy, a long life together. So my yes is I'm gonna go to the gym three days a week. I have to do it. 
Now, when I go and say, I, I can go and tell somebody, I had a girlfriend say, hey, let's have coffee this week. No, honey, I don't have time to do this. I'm, I've got a gazillion other things. I can't do this. And she tries. She's like, but come on, it's just 30 minutes. I'm like, no, I don't. You have to be able to be firm and set when you tell someone no and you set a boundary that no, you're not going to do something and not give in to yourself, no matter what kind of peer pressure. So yes, stick to your yes. Don't tell someone or even yourself you're going to do it unless you have the discipline to commit to it and keep it. And no, respect it. Respect that boundary you've set and don't let somebody else push you into it. Yeah, I, I, you know, to, to stick with the analogy with, with exercise and with working out, most people drop out when they start working out. We're in February. It's February 20th today. And a, a big sp in the fitness industry, a big spurt of people in January went to the gym. They got their memberships. You know, they bought their gear. They, they kicked off a whole um, choice to be healthier and to be, um, you know, more fit and stuff. So what's really interesting is that as part of that, though, is that there's a big like drop off. Right. Mm -hmm. And I realized that what what really helps people to um, to stick with it is is to say, what is my larger goal? My, my goal is to not just work out three times a week. My goal is to attain something and that whatever that thing is, I don't know. Is it a healthier heart? Is it to be more happy? And the thing that I realized about myself is that I need goals. I need accomplishments. I need medals. I need a certificate. I, I want to know that I accomplished something. Mm -hmm. For me to go to the gym three times a week, I always drop off. I always drop off. Anytime I've ever done that in my life, it, I don't feel the motivation, you know? And the analogy here is that in, in business and in life, there are so many rewards. There are so many um, things that we can gain as we improve ourselves. But if we don't lay a framework out to get those rewards, then it's almost like you're just in this cycle of, of, of nothingness. Absolutely. And that's why when I'm working with a client, we set goals and I say, okay, you go and send five resumes tomorrow. Well, how are you going to reward yourself for having that commitment and taking that time? And it'll be something small. I mean, not every goal needs to be celebrated as some huge, massive win. But we make sure that a win is built into the plan. A celebration is built into the plan. Even if it's, hey, I want you to tell me when you've completed this and I'm going to call you and I'm going to congratulate you and I'm going to tell you I'm proud of you and how hard you've worked and celebrate with you. Um, for the gym, my fiance and I, we have our three goals uh, three days a week. So my personal goal um, and win is every time I go, he's gonna post on his social networks asking for donations to my charity. Um, Cause he knows that's a big thing right now. We have to buy laptops. We're finding women that we're serving don't have computers at home. So I'm trying to raise money for this. So every day that I go to the gym, He's posting on all of his social networks about what I'm doing, what we're building, the women we're serving, and how people can come and donate. Now, I don't go to the gym for my three days. I only go twice. The following week, I can't eat out at all. That means no Starbucks, no Taco Bell, none of these little, unless I'm on the road traveling, because I do that for work as well, I'm not allowed to spend any money at a restaurant anywhere for a whole week. That's hard. I love to eat out. I love to cook, but I love the convenience of eating out. Now for him, he goes to the gym three days a week. He gets a picture every single day because he lives in Michigan. We do the long distance thing. He comes home once a month. Now he doesn't go to the gym for three days. I get to pick some random person on his Facebook and say, you got to send them 50 bucks. <laughs> the last thing he wants to do is be separated so, from the money. That's the opposite so, of reward. That's like, exactly, like public exactly. shaming and, and a financial it, loss. Exactly. So he is more than motivated to get to the gym three days a week, even if it's only to avoid having to give someone that I randomly pick 50 bucks. That's so it works though. Cause you know what? We've both been on it for the last few weeks and we're committed and it's more that reward. I'm yeah. You know what? I, if I have to go a whole week without my Starbucks, I'm not going to be happy, but I can survive. But the fact of I have somebody else promoting what I'm doing and helping build into what we're trying to raise money for, I'm all for it. I'll hit the gym every day. I think my goal this week is five days just because that's the more posts I get. Right. 
Um, there's a comment that we have here from Zakia Ringgold. She says, mind blown, had no idea. Nice. <laughs> and I have no idea what she's talking about, but it's probably something that you said that was really interesting. I was going to say no idea about which part, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got I to gotta show this one, which is a little plug for Dub. So gotta love Dub. Zakia, thank you so, so much for that little plug. Really appreciate that. I know. I'm excited. We just signed up with it today. So I'm excited to use this um, one to send video content out to our clients as well as to work and reach out to our donors. So oh my gosh. Yeah. No, no, no. Don't even get me started because for fundraising and for kind of sales and for biz, biz dev, um, you know, it's like, as I sit here and have this conversation with you, I, I, I feel like I know you. I feel like I like you. I feel like I trust you, you know, and all of that is made possible by the medium in which we're communicating through video. Right. Absolutely. And, isn't it amazing though that for you and I to have had this engagement and to have this great little connection here that it was weeks of planning, you know, back and forth conversations, back and forth emails, a scheduling situation, a booking of a time, maybe someone got busy and they have to reschedule and then we've got a little bit of tech that we had some struggles with. <laughs> my, headphones, my headphones were absolutely not working, so that's why I'm going without my headphones. And we were struggling with all of that. And then finally now, after like probably a hundred engagements back and forth, here we are communicating. And synchronous communication like this is amazing. This is almost as good as being in a coffee shop, you know, minus mm -hmm. the $5 latte and the, and the parking. <laughs> but, and the um, outside noise. And, and the outside noise. <laughs> we're definitely, you know, focused here without distractions. But asynchronous video Yes. And this is what I always say. It's the next best thing, you know, and um, I always say, look, if, if you have a story to tell and if you've got value to provide and if you want to truly help people, don't chase them and say, I'd love to get a time in your calendar. I'd love to show you how I can do yeah, X. I'd love to show you how I can do Y. Don't do all that. Share your best story. Provide your value. Put them on a pedestal. You know, be that guide. That, that Donald Miller talks about in the brand story book, be the guide and let the other person be the hero and send them that video in Gmail, send them that video in LinkedIn. All you need is the dub Chrome extension, you know, dub at the end of the day is it's, it's a technology, it's pipes, but it's, it's people like you that are sharing your stories and that are providing value. We're simply just facilitating it. I look forward to diving into it. I'm going to be yeah. introducing it to my team next week. So. Awesome. That's that's great to hear. Any any kind of um, questions you have? Any? We love to do these sessions. We also actually do an effort. It's it's totally new, and I'd love to get your feedback on this. But they're called um, video jam sessions. And uh, okay. yeah, and actually, Russ Johns. I got to give a shout out. RussJohns.com. He actually gave me the idea of calling it a jam session. And as a musician there's some musical stuff behind me as a musician i've been doing jam sessions since i was like 13 years old with friends <laughs> and um so this idea of having a video jam session where we connect with dub users people that use the technology and then to show them hey listen what problems do you all, do you have let us help you to solve those and uh, those those are a lot of fun for me so they're not salesy they're not pitchy they're most commonly with all, you know already people who are subscribers um, but it's just kind of a chance for us to really show that empathy and give a little bit of coaching, very similar to probably what you do to help folks. Mm -hmm. I love it. And anytime you can connect face to face with somebody, it makes all the difference because anybody can be a voice on the end of the phone and or the other screen. And you have something in between. You're not paying attention. You don't know if they're really engaged. You don't know if they're listening. Yeah. You, don't, you can't read body language when you're staring at a blank screen. Right. So I so <laughs> I work with clients um, and, and so because I still in the car business, I work with dealers across the country and I was trying to get to them as once a quarter because I was just in Maryland last week and I'm going to go to, God, where am I going? Wisconsin in a couple of weeks. Um, but I try to use video as much as possible because I want to know that who I'm talking to is actually connecting with me. Yes. They're not just giving me lip service while we're talking. And I'm not just some background noise while they're reading reports and doing a gazillion other things. So that face-to-face -face contact makes all the difference. When I read emails now and I get text, it, it starts to look like almost like code. 
where <laughs> you're seeing code and I'm a tech geek. So, you know, pardon me, but, and someone said to me something that made so much sense. I had a really hard time articulating this until I heard someone say this to me, which is you read what you read is you, you read stuff, how you feel, or mm -hmm. I'm messing it up. Help me out. But you, when you read stuff, you read what you are feeling. Mm -hmm. So if someone puts in some text in a, in a text message, and then there's an exclamation point at it. If you're feeling upset or you're feeling like someone's being sarcastic or if you're feeling someone's not being fully cool or honest or whatever, that's what you're going to see potentially. You're going to see, you know what? That was ex an exaggeration. That was that wasn't legit. Right? Whereas if you're if you're in a happy, good mood and then you see that ex exclamation point, you'll just you'll just take it at face value. Mm -hmm. And you just summed it up so perfectly because you said it really comes down to body language, you know, and when we're honest and when we're authentic and when we really want to provide that value, we can see it in the body language and humans have this fifth, sixth sense, seventh sense, whatever it may be, where we can actually sense things within body language. And when you're in business development, like you and me, and we're building relationships to provide mutually beneficial long-term value, conveying that body language is really important. So I, I applaud you for having that mindset. This is a lot of what we evangelize. Very much. I think of um, the lack of inflection that is lost in a text message. Think mm. of a simple hey. It could be hey, full of anger and like harshness and what are you doing? Or it can be hey. Right. It's uplifting and inviting and wanting right. to bring you in. And you lose all of that when you don't have and yes a phone call is great i still remind my daughter all the time hey you know your phone is capable of hearing the other person's voice right <laughs> <laughs> um but she's embracing facetime and things like that and so i think as our technology develops and people become less afraid of seeing themselves and i heard this really really great thing because i've always been awkward about doing videos um but someone, I heard someone say, if you don't like the way you look in video, then you just don't like the way you look. Oh gosh. And I'm oh, like, yeah. okay, wait, that's absolutely true. And it really hit home. I'm like, okay, I'm not that hard to look at it, but okay. So I need to embrace that and just be okay with having my face out there. Cause I wouldn't hide my face behind the screen sitting and having coffee with you. Right. So why would I do this in this conversation? Right. And what is that? I haven't figured that one out yet. You you nailed, it on the <laughs> you nailed it on the head. If someone doesn't like the way that they look on video, they don't like the way that they look in real life. Period. Mm -hmm. Let's let's solve that. Let's have a lot of compassion here and let's solve that. Um, we, we we're all different. We look different. Human beings come in different shapes, sizes, forms, colors. We're all different. And what makes us so great is that we are different. You know. And the second that you realize that and, and don't try to be that person in, in the magazine or in the movie or, you know, what, quote unquote, society or I'd say old school society wants us to look like, you get liberated. You get liberated, mm -hmm. you know, because let's just face it. It's 2020 right now. We video is ubiquitous. It's on every channel. You it's I don't understand how someone can can be successful in this day and age if they're not comfortable being on video whether it's on the news or whether it's being in a conference. I mean, look, video, why do I like video? Well, there's a hundred reasons, but one of the reasons is because it saves me an insane amount of time and it allows me to scale myself. Mm -hmm. You know, when I click that little beautiful red record button, I have a platform on which people can watch it live if it's live. And then after the fact, people can watch it. And, and that empowers me. And, and that way I can spend more time with my family, doing the things that I enjoy. You know, to your earlier point, doing the things that honor me, doing the things that bring me joy. And of course, hanging out with my flaky friends. And because <laughs> I haven't fired them yet. <laughs> you need to. I highly recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I uh, think well, one of the things that, um, that I've experienced with our clients, because one of the things that CYC does is we do professional appearance coaching. Ooh, um, cool. So what I've discovered is women have tended to almost shy away 
from putting themselves self forward because there's this misconception that if we take the time to do our hair and do our makeup and to put on nice clothes, then we're vain. And there were shallow and that's what we do it. And not realizing that, you know what, we just wanna make sure we're presenting our best self. So a lot of the clients that I've worked with, they've just kind of hidden. And I'm actually thinking now I'm gonna use this as a way to give them a reason to come out of their shell and I'm gonna have to interact with them more on video and get them used to it. I like this idea. I'm liking this a lot, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it takes time. It takes time. I've seen people start to record. It takes time. You got to record and record <laughs> and throw it away and throw it away and throw it away. It's like, you know, that that scene from the movie, like Shakespeare in Love or not Shakespeare in Love, just that cliched scene where someone's on a typewriter and they throw the crumpled pieces of paper by the trash. And then it becomes their their piece, their match masterpiece or whatever. There's a version of that for video. Oh, absolutely. And it's on our phones. And it's on our mm -hmm. phones. And it's right here in a thing called the gallery. Okay. <laughs> and we have our little gallery of a hundred videos that we shot of ourselves on the toilet or in the pool or in our car, not driving, you know, where we just did tests and we mm -hmm. said, Hey, what's up, Susie? Hey, what's up, Sally? Hey, what's up, Johnny? This is Ruben from Dub. I'd love to whatever. And realizing that once we get those things over with and we throw them away, then we're prepped and we're ready to actually use this beautiful channel and medium to scale our efforts. I think one of the things is um, that, that that hesitation comes from the fact of when you're talking with someone, if you and I were sitting and having a conversation in a coffee shop, so to speak, I wouldn't see my face. I wouldn't be so aware of my own voice. But in a video or if I'm recording one and sending it to you, I'm physically seeing what I look like. We don't see ourselves as much as we think we do. Yes. So my own reflection and how I sound is kind of foreign to us. Um, and it's one of those things that we just need to work on and get past and be like, okay, this is what the world sees. The world sees this every day. Why would I want to shy away from it? Why, do, why don't I like it? I'm fine. Yeah. And I, right. <laughs> right. I, uh, something comes to mind here. I was in my, I was in a meditate, a group meditation and the teacher, it, it wasn't a meditation class. That was just the final thing of the class. It was like a martial arts class, mm -hmm. but the teacher at the end, whom I adore, who's a fantastic teacher, you know, she, you know, as she was starting to kick off the guided meditation, she said something, she said, um, so pretend like my voice is someone else's. Okay. And because she does. And then she said, I don't like, I don't like the sound of my voice. Right. And, and my meditation was about that. I was going to be about something else, but, but I decided to meditate on that because what I realized at that moment was that this woman who's so talented, who can do martial arts in such a fantastic way, you know, doesn't like the sound of her voice. I don't, her voice is nice it's great there's it's it's a voice it's it's awesome right but for some reason maybe it was something from childhood maybe someone said hey you have a nasally voice which she doesn't or you have a low voice or a high voice she doesn't it's an average voice you know maybe something was in her mind that made her feel that way and then she's carried that with her i don't i don't mean to psychoanalyze here um, but now she's also telling you this well, she, it, it, yeah. And yeah, and exactly. we're all friends and stuff, but, but, um, I, I felt compassion, you know, and I, and I have my own versions of that as well, for sure. And I've, I've worked through those a lot in my life, well, you know. So this actually reminds me. So my youngest, who is now 11 and in sixth grade, has for the first time experiencing PE in gym where she has to go and change with, with the group of girls. And that's intimidating, especially at that age. Um, and so I had this conversation with him. And I reminded her, I was like, every single girl in there, no matter how pretty she is, no matter how smart she is, no matter how put together she appears on the outside, she has something about herself she's insecure about. Mm -hmm. You just have to be that person who doesn't find it and point it out and nitpick it. 
you find the good and you just be nice to her. Don't go and be that person who's like, oh, look at your back roll or what kind of bra is that or whatever. Don't be that girl because no, she's probably already self-conscious about something. We all are. Yeah, it's so true. And and when we tease or gossip or point our finger at someone else, what what are we really doing at the end of the day? Isn't it isn't it we're kind of just protecting ourselves and mm-hmm. messing someone else up just to make ourselves feel good? Exactly. You know. And so, and one of the things that we, as a society and as a person, as people, need to stop doing is pointing out our flaws to others. Right. Because you probably would have never even questioned the sound of her voice of your your the woman who's doing the meditation had she not said something. You would have never had any type of negative thoughts or feelings or even a thought about her voice and the quality of it had she not said something about it of pretend this is somebody else speaking or whatever. Right. But we point them out because we feel this insecurity that we have to almost apologize for it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. That is so true. I, I, de- I self-deprecate a lot. Um <laughs> I, I I make fun of myself because I'm like the funniest target. Um, <laughs> and, and I think the reason why I do that is because is it, is it like a self-defense mechanism or is it because mm-hmm. I just really think that I sometimes do really silly things? I, I don't know. I've never, <laughs> I've never thought about it like that. But um, sometimes I do bring out my weaknesses. Like, you know, you'll get into a meeting and someone will say, hey, listen, I'm really not good at taking notes here. Like, boom, they just, they started with a weakness, you know? Hey, my, my handwriting's terrible. You know, hey, listen, I have ADD. Can you repeat that? I was, I was just distracted. You know, you hear that so much. Mm -hmm. I stutter a lot. I I say like and um, basically a lot. You know, you hear that a lot. Why why do people do that? Is it, is it like a self-defense mechanism? It's a... One, I, be- I believe my experience has shown that it is a self-defense. We feel like we have to apologize for our own weaknesses mm. because we feel like it is a weakness. Okay. Oh my gosh. I'm not perfect. You are. I'm not. So I'm going to apologize for my own imperfections because we have everybody on this pedestal to where we're seeing their highlight reel on Facebook. Okay. We see the greatness in their life. We don't know their own personal struggles, but we know ours. So we feel like we have to apologize for own because ours, we feel like we wear ours like this big and our success and our greatness is this big, but our weakness and our, our imperfections outweigh them all. So we have to apologize for them. So we, it sounds like we need to, we need to stop apologizing. Unless, yeah, exactly. So unless you've genuinely done something wrong, there is no need to apologize. Don't take me wrong. Apologies are exactly, exactly. We need to stop apologizing for who we are. Yes. Not obviously for when we do when we screw up. Exactly. If you do something stupid and mean, yes, yes, you better say sorry. (laughs) Just to make sure that that's clear. But you have a nasally voice or something like that, or you can't hear. Like I have to wear my headphones because I can't hear that well. Mm. Um, I'm not going to apologize if I have to ask you to repeat yourself because I'm not doing anything wrong. Just because I can't hear as well as someone with perfect hearing doesn't make me less of a person. It doesn't. It's not something I should apologize for. I can just say, hey, can you repeat that, please? Right. And not make excuses. You don't always have to quantify everything. Mm. You know, there's this other thing that people do that um, this this is such an interesting talk because it's so relevant um, <laughs> on so many levels. But there's this thing that I think some people do where if 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 a mistake is made and then you mention the mistake to a person, it's it's almost like a a knee jerk reaction for some people to say, well, yeah, but don't, don't you do that? Or doesn't this person do that? Or doesn't that person do that? It's, it's, it's a deflection. Mm-hmm. It's a deflection of fault, you know? And that deflection of fault is a self-preservation mechanism. And 
and and this what's interesting about that is that the second that that happens i mean sometimes it's relevant i mean you can't you can't we can't speak in blank statements here but what's interesting is that sometimes it just destroys the energy of a productive conversation you know mm-hmm. now you can't just put you can't you just throw the throw this person under the bus because maybe the context in which they have, were spoken to or the tone or the format was inappropriate but there's nuances to this, you know, and um, how do we how do we get to that point of being calm and being confident and and not feeling like we need to defend ourselves or we need to uh, deflect or or do these things that human beings have done <laughs> for thousands of years to survive? I think first and foremost, um, we need to get out of the comparison trap. Just because I have a fault doesn't mean that you're perfect um, and vice versa. So I can make a mistake and I don't have to find that you've made a bigger one to make me feel better about my own mistake. Mm. I can make mistake, I can be human, I can be imperfect and still be a good person. I can still be great at running a charity. I can still be a great account manager, but I can still be a terrible cook at times, okay? And just because I may be a terrible cook at times and um, Mary is a wonderful mom and a great cook doesn't make me less of a wonderful mom Mm. because I'm great in all these other areas and she's great where I'm weak. It doesn't make me less. Someone has a greatness where I am weak. It means, hey, you know what? Let's join forces because you're going to strengthen me where I'm not. And I'm probably good at something that you're not. Let's work together and tackle this thing called life. And you can be great in your own strength and it doesn't make me any less. I think that is something that a lot of people struggle with. They see someone else's greatness where they're weak and they just instantly feel less. And they have to go and find something about that person to pull down so they don't feel awful about who they are. So well said. That is so well said. Thank you. So good. So so how can how can uh, people find you? G- give us some social channels, web address. Uh, Dara Moore or the real Dara Moore um, is everything. So LinkedIn is Dara Moore. Instagram is the real Dara Moore. Um, contact me through CYC. So changingyourconversation.com. You will find all of my information there. And let's connect. Let's talk. Cool. Well, you're, you sound like a phenomenal resource um, for a, a great, great audience, you know, and um, I'm so psyched that we have you as a, as a dub user. And, you know, I, I, I want your voice to really, to get out there because I, I truly believe that you can help a lot of people at scale, whether it's on the business side or on the personal development side. Um, so I'd, I'd like to stay in touch and I'd like to, you know, follow up with this for, with a, with a, a video jam session where we actually Absolutely. jump into a screen share. I'll send you a link after this and we'll, we'll get into it and I'll show you how to use some pretty simple technology um, from dub.com that can, that can really scale your voice and, and do uh, good at scale. I would appreciate that very much. Thank you. Thanks so much. Great having you. Thank you for having me, Ruben. It's been a pleasure. Bye.